This is the Entrepreneurial CPA Podcast, teaching millennials how to think outside the box to become entrepreneurial leaders by reconceptualizing the industry therein. Brought to you by C3 Evolution Group with your host, Christopher Sakelli. Welcome to the Entrepreneurial CPA Podcast, where we sit down with some of the top emerging leaders in the public accounting landscape and hopes to learn some of their keys to success. We hope everyone listening can learn a few things that can be applied to their everyday work life to better improve themselves personally and professionally. Today, we are happy to have Chris Brown, Audit Supervisor at Bell Barkley & Company. Chris began his career with Bell Barkley and has risen the ranks quickly in his short time there. He was awarded as part of Arkansas Business's 20 in their 20s and was part of CCH's Top 20 Emerging Leaders. In his free time, Chris also enjoys hunting and fishing. We'd like to thank Chris for joining us today. Welcome, Chris. Hey, good. Good day, guys. Good to be here. Right. So, Chris, just some some basic stuff here. Uh, you know, so, what made you go into public accounting? I mean, it's, of course, it's not the most glamorous thing coming out of high school, but what made you uh, decide that that was the career path for you? Yeah, well, I actually uh, got to college and, you know, like a lot of students, had had no real clear vision or what I wanted to do. Uh, so I kind of threw, threw on there like a finance major. I had a, a friend that was a couple years older than me that was doing that and uh, got into uh, Econ 1 and Accounting 1 at the same time and went through both of those and and uh, realized at the end that I was uh, much better at the accounting side than the, the Econ side. And... Um, from there, just kind of, kind of decided, hey, I'll, I'll try this accounting deal. Uh, you know, obviously got through accounting one and two and got to intermediate and uh, realized it wasn't as easy as uh, accounting one and two uh, make it out to be. And uh, as far as public accounting, you know, I'd, I I do most of the on-campus recruiting uh, for our firm here, and kids nowadays, it seems like they they have a lot more together than I did. You know, they kind of know what they want and they know all the differences. I was just going to interviews, you know, I didn't really know the difference between public or private or, uh, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I was just showing up at interviews. And, uh, so it seems like kids these days, they, they've got more together maybe than I did back then, but um, kind of interviewed with several different firms and had some different offers. And and the difference uh, that I kind of felt looking at, at Bell Barclay can, compared to some of the the larger firms. We're, we actually are the largest Arkansas-based uh, CPA firm started in Arkansas, uh, but we compete against a lot of the regional firms. Uh, but this this firm is a little bit different from the ones I've seen as far as it truly is, uh, for the size it is, being pretty large. It's, uh, it's very, uh, the people here uh, are encouraging you uh, to, be, to be a family person to do the things in the community that you need to do and that you want to do and still be able to get the work done and, and not just slave away. So it's it's a really neat place. Yeah, it sounds like a really good fit for you. And I know those firms that offer kind of like the work-life balance, they encourage that. It's, it's definitely a great appeal to those coming out of college. And I've done a handful of recruiting and marketing type uh, activities with firms and I agree with your statement and the fact that a lot of people coming out of college know way more than I thought I did. Sometimes as I talk to them, I'm surprised with, with their knowledge. Um, you know, and that kind of brings up a, a kind of a, a funny thing here. You know, what was 
the biggest surprise coming out of college, uh, or yeah, coming out of college for you because now it seems like the kids are you know more prepared than we were several years ago. But uh, you know, what was something that really surprised you when you left college and began full time? Well, this is something I I tell students in recruiting because you know I I started you know January fourth right you know the beginning of tax season working on a big audit project and uh, you know after about a week and a half I told my wife, I was like, they're going to fire me pretty, pretty soon, I think, because they've, I think they've realized that I don't know anything, that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I said that to one, of, to one of the managers and they were like, oh yeah, we know you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, that's, you, we're starting, you know, you have a, you get a good uh, base of information in college, but uh, when it comes to public accounting, you're, you're learning on the job, we're training you. I tell students that, you know, if I take them on their first audit, I'm expecting to teach them what a dollar sign is and go up from there. Uh, to, to, to let students know that you don't have to know everything, you don't know everything. That's probably the, the worst is when, you know, brand new staff show up and they think they know as much as you or, or the partners know. And uh, it can be a humbling experience really quick when they when they realize that they don't know as, as much as they thought they did. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if I could go back in time and talk to myself as I graduated college, I'd probably tell myself to, you know, just not be afraid to make mistakes and, have that willingness to learn because it, it does. I mean, even X amount of years into the into the profession, people are always learning new things. And, oh yeah, uh, for you sure. Know, you never yeah. you never can know any everything when it comes to tax and audit. There's, you know, there's all all these unique situations, a lot of complexity that you, you have to be willing to constantly learn and kind of revise your your look on on the profession. Oh yeah, no doubt. It's about being a sponge coming in and just soaking up as much knowledge as you can. And like you said, expecting to make mistakes. We expect our staff to make mistakes. Uh, our only ask is that uh, you make new mistakes. You know, I've been, this was my eighth tax season. Uh, so I'm, I'm learning, I'm doing more mis different mistakes, you know, every day. But as long as you're not making the same mistakes over and over again, then, then you're good. As long as you're learning from your mistakes and moving on and making new mistakes, then and that's, that's yeah, that's, that's definitely a good piece of advice for, for people to keep in mind. So you, you talked a little bit about um, doing the recruiting and marketing for your firm. I know you're heavily involved in that. I'm curious as to, uh, you know, from your perspective, how important is it to a firm to attract and retain good young talent? And, you know, aside from the firm's name brand, of, you know, maybe they're the big, big firm in the area, um, you know, how can they go about attracting good young talent and then go on and retain that talent? Yeah. Well, you know, um, watched a lot, you know, on the on the generation uh, integration, you know, with the new generation coming in, the old generation going out. Um, as far as retaining talent, it's you know, the new generation want a place, kind of like what I was talking about as far as, a balanced place where you're not just putting in a bunch of hours for nothing, that you feel, you know, fulfilled and a purpose. Um, allowing people to work in an environment that they enjoy. Uh, I feel like that's one of the differences here at Bell Barclay is most of our partners have been there, have been here their entire careers. We have a lot of people that have been there uh, our entire careers. And it's a place where um, it's not just about getting the chargeable hours and chasing every dollar. The firm is based on, you know, providing, you know, people who enjoy 
their work and their lives, not just chasing every single last dollar. Um, something I heard uh, the other day was talking about how to how do you uh, teach millennials or how do you show them what you want to do? And you know we have these we have these steps, you know, a se seven steps in this audit program or something like that. We're on a tax return, and, and you know the older generation learned in that linear way of okay, start with step one and get to step seven. Uh, whereas the new the new generation they they're outcome driven, so they want to see they just want to see the outcome, and then you work backwards. You know they want to see where they're going to begin with, not start with step one and walk through them because they can't see the end. They want to see the end first, and then we can teach them by working backwards. Uh, so I think it's just changing kind of the mindset of how we teach and how we uh, go about it. I think can help retain staff, and like I said, create an environment that they want to be in. Uh, can retain people, uh, but as far as public accounting, from what I've seen, you know, our firm, uh, we get a lot of folks that were at you know big four or other firms like that where they just got burnt out and worked to death, uh, and they're just looking for a place where they can land where it's uh, people care about them and it's not they're just not there to govern. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think for students who are coming out of college. I feel like there's kind of a gap between how you know each type of firm is and how it's described to them. And I think a lot of people go into the big four maybe without fully understanding what's expected of them or the type of you know, you know office or work style that a big four offers versus something that a small firm offers. And um, yeah, you know, I think by properly explaining that, some small firms can you know obviously the big four is like attracts people by, by their name brand, but I think a lot of smaller firms or regional firms, um, you know, they can attract good young talent by just kind of explaining the difference of what that, you know, that office experience is like. And I think with the smaller and regional firms, you know, that work-life balance is far more important. And, uh, you know, yeah. I think kind of coming from a younger person, a millennial such as yourself, I mean, you, you talk about uh, a firm, you know, people want to have a purpose there. You know, would you care to kind of explain, you know, some critical things to you, um, to how you feel successful at a firm, and what makes you feel happy? That, um, you know, in, in regards to what the firm offers to you. Yeah, like I said, the the flexibility. Um, I'm also on staff at a church as a worship pastor, so having a place that I can work that gives me the flexibility that they know on. Uh, you know, at 4 o'clock or 4.30 on Wednesday that I'm probably out of here, headed to the church to get ready for stuff uh, for Wednesday night services or that on Sunday, you know, I'm out of pocket, I'm doing all that kind of stuff, that I've got time to, to do those things that, that, you know, give me fulfillment and feel like I'm uh, doing doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, you know, the time with my family. I've got two little girls. And so just uh, to be able to have a job where I can take ownership. You know, the, the partnership, the partners uh, allow allow us to have ownership of our clients. To feel like, okay, that's my client. I'm going to service that client to the best of my ability. I'm going to take that ownership, uh, and then at the same time, uh, you know, I can I can work hard and provide for my family, but then at the same time, enjoy enjoy that provision for my family and uh, and. and Turn around and give that to the community through my church and through through other things as well. Uh, Fort Smith has given a lot to Bell Barclay over the last 
52 years, however long it's been here. So uh, we try to give back uh, to the community that's given so much to us through, you know, whether it be United Way or uh, all kinds of different nonprofit things that we do through the office. Uh, so that to me, it's it's more than than just the dollars. It's more than just you know knocking out tax returns. It's seeing uh, the impact that we're having on the community. You know, I try to think of my my clients. You know, I've got nonprofits that are uh, you know help children or do this or that. You know, going into those jobs with that mindset of I'm helping this company fulfill their mission. Uh, that that's fulfilling for sure. Yeah, those are all incredibly important things, and you know, I I would agree that all of those are, um, you know, I feel like they have a a degree of importance to everybody. And only some regional firms and smaller firms um, really focus on that. And I think once you can yeah. find a good fit for yourself, that's where you're, you know, really be happy based on, you know, if you were to kind of rank what's important to you. Yeah, and it's okay, you know, it's okay for those people that want to go do the big four thing for a couple of years. They just, you know, they they understand that, uh, you know, that's not something that maybe can be done long term by everybody. You know, that's kind of the, the single man's game of going, you know, doing that for 80 hours a week or whatever and doing that for two or three years. But And that's why we've kind of shifted our recruiting at a, at a couple of universities that we recruit that really push the big four of, okay, I know I'm not going to get this guy, but it, as long as I've made a connection with him and I'm on his radar, you know, in three or four years once he's burned out uh, up there and once he's ready to start a family, we're going to be what he's looking for at that point. Uh, so kind of shifting that mindset of, of, okay, this may not be my target person right now, but still trying to go out there and create that relationship and that touch for down the road. Yeah, that's a really interesting angle at, kind of recruiting. I've never really thought of it that way, but it really makes a lot of sense because a lot of the top talent, um, you know, they do try to go big four for that resume builder, but, um, you know, they always seem to kind of come back around eventually. Yeah, we've got, you know, the, the University of Arkansas here, they really, which is just about 35 minutes up the road from us, but they really push their students, you know, big four, you know, they want that recognition of, oh, our students get hired by a big four, and so that's where they really push them, so that's you know that's all they know, uh, but if we can if we can be here when they get when they get back and understand that uh, once they get burned out that they've got a place to be. Uh, it's yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, so switching gears a little bit, um, obviously you've achieved a lot at a young age, and you know you're pretty well decorated in terms of recognition from the accounting community. Um, what would you say are some of the main contributors to that success? Now, what kind of motivates you to achieve these goals? Yeah. Um, my big thing is being intentional uh, and relational. You know, accountants aren't known for their personalities or their relationship building skills, I guess. Uh, so I'd say that's a lot of it is, and I guess that comes through through church work. All my life, my dad was a pastor. Uh, and just so so seeing that community building and that relationship building through that kind of a setting, I think I've taken that kind of to this business world setting of building relationships not based on what I can gain out of it, but what you know what you can help your clients gain, or you know just building a, a relationship to have someone as a friend to throw ideas off of, to to grow with, not 
meet, not going to networking events and meeting people thinking, oh, I can build this person or maybe this is the next client. Going into it uh, with no, no strings attached of if I can help somebody, I'm going to help them. If I can be a friend with someone and build that relationship, uh, it's, then, that's, then that's all that I can ask for. A good book, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of The Go-Giver uh, by Bob Berg, but I would, I would uh, recommend that book. kind of talks about that of, of giving, uh, you know, before, you, before getting, of just doing, doing what, you, uh, what you know is right and not only trying to, to do things of, based on what you can get out of it. And then, like I said, being intentional. Um, I heard a, kind of a guy speak on it a couple years ago. As far as, you know, we go to school our whole lives, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, and, you know, even college to some degree. And we're kind of uh, kind of spoon-fed, you know, what we're supposed to learn and how we're supposed to grow. They say, you know, here's what you study for the test. This is what you need to know for the test. Uh, this, this learning is required. Uh, but then once we, we get out of school, then there's no more required learning, you know, other other than, you know, for us accountants, you know, we've got continuing education. We've got, you know, studying for the CPA exam. But as far as uh, just our knowledge base, most people, they don't really have uh, habits or characteristics of, of continuing to grow. You know, once they get out of college, they just kind of stop growing, um, whether that's, you know, professionally, um, you know, personally, spiritually, whatever that is. So you'll go to things like, you know, CCH conference or some other, you know, conference and you'll you'll feel like, oh, man, this is really good. You come back and you're on fire uh, wanting to make all these changes and then two weeks later it's back to the same old routine. And so I kind of call that as unintentional growth. You kind of go and you get this spark, but once again that's something that's been spoon-fed to you and it's not something that you had to do on your own. Uh, so I guess by being intentional, I'm, I'm talking about taking the time on a daily basis or a weekly basis to make sure that you're getting that growth, uh, you know, mostly you know, by reading uh, books like The Go-Giver or you know, leadership books, anything by John Maxwell that you can get your hands on, uh, anything on leadership. That's what I read a lot is, is John Maxwell leadership type stuff. You know, keeping up on accounting standards, um, any, anything like that where you're doing it because you want to do it, because you want to grow, and you're being intentional in that growth, I think that is really what sets people apart because people that, that uh, are successful are intentional. You know, if they're, if they're just sitting around going through the same routine, going through the motions every day and not growing, then, then you're not going to get to the heights that you want to get to. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely a really interesting point to bring up is that constant hunger to continue learning and continue growing. And I think if you you have that throughout your career, it'll it'll take you to you know to great heights. And that kind of leads me into where I kind of wanted to you know bring my next question because I was kind of curious as to what success means to you. Um, you know, you you talked a little bit about people. You know, they they kind of stop growing or they stop, you know, having an interest in furthering their, their career. So it's kind of like a two-part question. I, 
what does success mean to you? And I think I already know the answer to this one, but, you know, will there ever be a point in your career where you've reached a level where you're content? Yeah. Um, I guess success to me is is uh, uh, being balanced and being con- being content in all those things, uh, which is it's a hard thing because there's a, there's a balance there between being hungry and, and continuing to go after that, go after it, and want more and want more, but at the same time being content wherever you are, because uh, if if you're just chasing after things continually, then you'll never be content. So you have to you have to be content where you are to begin with, uh, but still have a hunger uh, that there's there's more uh, that you can pursue and that you can go after so it's kind of a, a, a weird balance in there uh, but I would say you know to have you know I think I think more of success as down the road of that legacy of looking back after 30 years and what do I see uh, you know I see my my girls you know graduated college and they're starting families and they've married you know good men uh, and they're starting families and uh, you know my wife and I being down the road and, and, you know, being out of debt, you know, getting ready for retirement, being set to where we can, we can live and enjoy and travel and at the same time help our kids and grandkids with whatever they need. Uh, but not necessarily, you know, I don't see success as a certain dollar amount in the bank account when I, you know, in 10 years or when, when I retire. It's just uh, being able to sit back, enjoy life and having a legacy Hopefully, at Bell Barclay and having a legacy uh, through uh, through through a church or, or something like that, to where you know they 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 see someone who's had an impact on on their work and on their community. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I ask that question to a lot of people, and I was, I've kind of always a little taken back by not taken back, but a little surprised in a good way by the answers. I always ask, you know, what is success to to you? And a lot of times the answer always starts off with something unrelated to work. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of a good psychological kind of angle uh, to look at it through because, you know, a lot of times between tax season or traveling when you're on audits and you're working long, long hours and not a lot of jobs are built like that. Um, But, you know, to be able to just have that work-life balance um, that you can focus on your life outside of the work. And a lot of times firms stress hours, 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 you know, make sure you hit your hours. Um, and there's not as much focus on just productivity and making sure that, you know, you own your work and you just get it done and, you know, hours don't need as much. But uh, it's kind of interesting because a lot of the people, this firm is, I mean, this, uh, this industry is uh, stressed on hours, but a lot of times yeah. the answers I get are, you know, unrelated to work, that's success to them. So I don't know. I thought that was that's kind of an interesting commonality I see among a lot of yeah. accounts. Yeah, well, I definitely think it's you know if you just work all those hours and, and work yourself to death, and at the end you don't have a uh, people to share it with or a legacy to leave behind. If if all you were known for was sitting at your desk, then I don't. Uh, for me, that's that's not really success. You know, work life balance or or work-life integration, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, this yeah, and I think uh, I think that's kind of a changing of a, a generational aspect. I think 
a lot of the uh, a lot of the older generation they're more geared towards kind of sitting down at the desk grinding out the work long hours and you know they almost kind of wear it like a badge of honor you know who can be in the office last who can have the most hours during tax season um, but I feel like the younger generation they they've kind of grown apart from that and that they are kind of more concerned with some of the social aspects of the job. Um, yeah, and, and, and a lot of, of yep, yeah, and a lot of like you said that that badge of honor, and a lot of those older uh, generation, a lot of those older partners see see it as uh, a lack of work ethic of not wanting to be there until that. But I, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's uh, just understanding and knowing what they want not necessarily just going along with the establishment of, hey, this is how it works and this is what you got to do. So. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's definitely good to note when you're in a leadership role at a firm to kind of just keep those things in the back of your mind that you may be one way and it doesn't always fit for, for everyone else. And, you know, kind of talking about leadership, um, you know, it, it, I think leadership kind of comes with, time. A lot, a lot of people just naturally have leadership abilities, but to be a good leader, I think it comes with time and experience. Um, obviously, you have taken on a leadership role at your firm. You're highly involved in and outside of the office. Um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to be a leader in their firm at a young age, um, but may not necessarily know how to, how to do that? Yeah. Uh, John Maxwell says that uh, Leaders are built, uh, leaders are developed daily, not in a day. You know, it's a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, like I said, being intentional, uh, being relational, uh, building relationships, and and mainly I think the best leaders are, are servants. You know, they have a hard hearts like a servant. You know, they'll do anything for you. They want to serve. Uh, leading by example, leading by serving. Especially, like I said, at a young age when you're coming in and you're just you're learning. Um, to me, people that can come in and and uh, be a servant, have that heart, and uh, like I said, lead by example. That's that's big. Not people who come in and say, "I'm a leader, and I'm going to lead by doing this, this, and this." It's you know, doing it by example, uh, not being overly loud about it. You know, like I said. Uh, having that heart of a servant of I don't feel like I'm better than anybody. I don't feel like I get should have certain uh, extra preferences. You know, I want to serve every person uh, to the least of these, and uh, the rest of it will take care of itself. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely great advice to to everyone. And you know, whether you're young, old, um, you have one year of experience or ten years of experience. Those are always good things to, to kind of model yourself after. Um, now, you know, switching gears again here, um, I just want to kind of talk a little bit about technology since it's becoming such a major player in the accounting industry. Um, yeah. Accounting is rapidly changing the, the landscape of the industry every year, um, and, and, it's, and that has kind of been accelerated exponentially within the past 10 to 15 years. And uh, you see kind of a, a gap with technological experience within a firm, especially a larger firm, um, with you know some of the older employees versus some of the newer employees. Um, would you care to kind of touch on the effect that you see um, technology have 
in your office or, or in the industry in general? Yeah. Uh, we've done pretty good technology-wise. Even when I started, uh, you know, we, we they had already gone paperless, and, and even our older partners do a pretty good job uh, being up-to-date technology-wise. I heard something interesting today. I was listening to a guy talking about technology and the different generations and, you know, having a, a three-year-old who, you know, they will never know a time when you couldn't look at someone to talk to them on the phone, you know, with FaceTime or whatever. So to them, that's the starting point. Technology is only new if you remember it the way it was before. Otherwise, it has always been that way. You know, so for the new generation, technology is not new to them. These things that we're getting aren't new to them. That's just the way it was. I thought that was an interesting statement. Technology mm-hmm. only new if you remember it the way it was before. Otherwise, it has always been that way. Um, and I think that's you know where we're headed as far as new staff coming in, the way they're learning to do things. To them, that's the way it's always been. To me, when I started, you know, those things being paperless and having engagement where, you know, that's just the way it was, whereas partners, to them, that was something new. They were used to auditing, you know, paper files, which seems ridiculous to me, and I would never want to do it. <laughs> but yeah. it's, uh, you know, but as far as the way it uh, affects our, our lives, you know, we can't live without it. You know, it's uh, it's definitely, you know, the majority of our day, you know, spent here, you know, I'm looking at my my three monitors and my computer on the floor and all 17,000 different software programs that we have. I mean, I can't imagine mm-hmm. being without it. And, uh, yeah, the, just the way it changes constantly is uh, crazy. Oh, it's uh, it really is incredible how it has helped, uh, you know, it's really helped the industry grow. Um, at a rapid pace, and it makes all of our lives easier. So yeah, I'm I think we had something yeah, about uh, one of our partners had uh, said something the other day about going back and looking at the number of jobs we had, number of audits before we went paperless, and kind of the number of jobs that we can get done and get out the door now. And I don't remember what the percentage was, but, I mean, it was you know over-doubling the amount of work that can can get done and get out of here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that kind of brings up an interesting point. So all those clients, they must have come, you know, they must have come from somewhere. Um, I I, I would assume there's more businesses now than there were maybe 20 years ago, but now each firm has a capacity to to do more um, for their clients. And those clients must be coming from somewhere, and obviously (coughs) that somewhere may be, from another firm. So that brings up an interesting point where, you know, will technology ever kind of replace your standard everyday accountant? Will there ever be a time where, um, you know, technology kind of takes some work away from us? Yeah, I don't think there's a doubt. Um, I remember sitting in a, uh, a CCH uh, class, and I don't remember whose class it was, but he was, he was showing the statistic of uh, it ranked, it was some kind of study that was done that ranked each profession of what was the likelihood that you would be replaced by a robot. And uh, the number one, you know, 100% likelihood that telemarketers would be replaced by a robot. 
And number two after telemarketers was tax preparers at like 95%. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I actually think I, re I read that exact same study. Yeah. So there's definitely, uh, which goes back to, you know, accountants that can come in and have worth ethic, work ethic, but also a personality. Uh, it's more important, I think, in the next 10 to 15 years to be able to deal with the client, uh, you know, and talk to talk to people and build relationships with people than maybe even the technical side because the technology is going to take care of the technical side for us more and more as we go along, I think. Oh, yeah. I think it's a pretty common consensus that the industry is leaning towards a consulting side um, mm. as technology kind of takes over. So yep. what being at um you know, being at your firm, is there anything that you guys are doing to prepare for that inevitable outcome? I know it may be fifteen, twenty years down the road, but what would you think uh, you know a firm should do now to begin to prepare for uh, for that shift in the industry? Yeah. Man. Uh, like I said, I guess just starting to, to groom people and look for people that always tire the technical I think looking for people that are going to have that potential in the future to do that consulting work be relational with the clients not so much just looking for people that can come in and crank out tax returns um, and I'm sure the technology will kind of lend itself as we go along to, to change our processes uh, I think that will be a big thing to look at as the processes of how the work gets done and how it goes out. But I don't know. I hadn't, hadn't really thought about it uh, a whole lot of what that shift is really going to look like. Yeah, it'll absolutely be interesting to see where the industry is going to go because if you were to rewind to 10 to 20 years ago, um, like you said, becoming paperless was new and exciting. And now for, you know, for all of us working at computers, it's, hard to imagine a time where, you know, computers weren't aiding us in the way they are today. Yeah. No, I couldn't imagine changing one work paper and having to go to four other binders and erase tick marks and change trial balances by hand, and uh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I and now, now, yeah. And now, you know, going to the cloud and, and all those things, you know, it just it's continually changing. Uh, there'll be There'll be new things every year. Absolutely, absolutely. So, before we before I let you go here, I would like to end with uh, with this question. Very simple. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Whether um, it be professionally or personally. Yeah, uh, I would say uh, this is something that uh, it's just popped in my head. I don't know why, but I guess it's it's good. Um, this is something that my dad used to tell me when I was in middle school and, and high school, probably on a weekly basis. And he always used to say, uh, friends are like elevators. They either take you up or they take you down. Um, the people that uh, the people that you're around, the people that you work with, the people that you spend time with, uh, be around people with good attitudes, people with... Uh, with hearts like servants, like I said, people that want to build relationships. Don't surround yourself with people that are uh, 
full of drama. You know, your attitude kind of, uh, your attitude determines your altitude, the people you are around. If you have good people that you're surrounded with, they're like elevators. They take you up or they take you down. I can, there's so many examples of people I know and, and family that I've had who, you know, you, you, you get around the wrong people, you go down a path that uh, does not lead to success, uh, does not lead to fulfillment. Uh, so, I don't know, that's just something that's popped in my head all of a sudden. So, I, I think that's... Yeah, and that's, that's great advice, and we see time and time again how that influences, you know, your friends absolutely influence you. I mean, they're the people you spend a large majority of your time with, so you kind of uh, emulate... See it, see it in the news every day, see it, with, see it with celebrities, see it in the news every day, and you can you can apply that to every every part of your life with uh, relationships. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Wonderful advice for, for everyone. <laughs>